Good morning. It is good to be in God's house to worship Him together this morning, isn't it? Amen. Amen. We are in the middle of a uh, series called Famous Last Words. And it's called Famous Last Words because these are the last words that Jesus spoke to His disciples before He goes to the cross. All right, so we call it Famous Last Words. And it's all in the teaching of Jesus to His disciples in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. This morning we are in John chapter 16, so if you have your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 16. And uh, this, morning's, uh, this morning's subject here in this chapter is about the Holy Spirit. Over the past three weeks, I've been doing a lot of reading and a lot of studying, both in the Bible and in some other books that I've, that I've been reading about the Holy Spirit. And I've been doing a lot of that, and I have really enjoyed it. It has been fantastic. Uh, it's been a long time since I spent f- such focused time on just the Holy Spirit, and it has been terrific time for me. So my, uh, so my hope this morning is that not only will all of us be encouraged and to be taught through the study of God's Word this morning, but I hope it kind of like whets your appetite a little bit. Uh, if it's been a while since you have really focused on a study of the Holy Spirit, I hope maybe this morning will kind of make you hungry for that and maybe challenge you to go home sometime this week in the coming weeks to start a study on the Holy Spirit there in the Bible uh, with your own different study aids that you have. Uh, it's, been, it's been terrific for me. And so, um, so this morning, we're going to be in John chapter 16. We're going to uh, start there in verse 5. And so I ask that you follow along as I start reading verse 5. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet not one of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment in regard to sin because men do not believe in me in regard to righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, uh, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not, or yes, uh, he will not speak on his own He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, in a little while, you will see me no more. Then after a little while, then you will see me. Um. So my challenge this past couple of weeks as I've been getting ready for this, as I've been studying so much about the Holy Spirit, is to stay focused just on these verses. Because I have all this I've been learning about the Holy Spirit, and I've been wanting to cram it into this much time. And it's just not going to work. And so I've been disciplined to stay focused here on these verses that we're looking at this morning. Uh, and the thing that we're going to find out this morning is that these verses teach us three of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
three roles of the Holy Spirit. Um, and obviously the Holy Spirit does more than what just Jesus teaches us in these verses. But that's the things that we're going to focus on this morning. But before I talk about the three roles of the Holy Spirit, there are two foundational blocks that is at the beginning of this passage that I need to make sure that I lay before we talk about the roles of the Holy Spirit. So let's go back up to verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Let's go back up to that word. Jesus says it is for your good. It is for your good. Um, the first thing, the first foundational block that we want to lay before we talk about the roles of the Holy Spirit is that. Is that the Holy Spirit is good. All right? That's what Jesus is saying. He's telling his disciples, if I don't go, then I can't send back the Holy Spirit. Right? And so it's for your good that I go so I can send back the Holy Spirit. What Jesus is saying is that the Holy Spirit is good. Um, I almost feel kind of silly standing up here and saying that the Holy Spirit is good. Something that should be so, something that should be so obvious to us. But over the past several decades in the United States of America, there have been a lot of preachers um, and teachers who have taken God's word and they misconstrued it and they've warped it uh, so, so that they could package the Holy Spirit and so that they could sell the Holy Spirit for their own personal gain. It's a tragedy. But what has happened, I think, to a lot of people in the United States is that anytime someone hears the words, the Holy Spirit, I think a lot of people put their, their hands up in a defensive posture and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. slow down on the Holy Spirit talk. All right, I'm fine with God, I'm fine with Jesus, I'm fine with going to church, but the whole Holy Spirit thing, whoa, hold your horses, right? Calm down on the Holy Spirit talk, Dan, right? I think that's a natural response for some people, not for everybody, but for some people, but because of the way that the reputation of the Holy Spirit in this country has been tarnished in the minds of a lot of people because of what they've seen on TV or read in books or at conferences or whatever about teaching of the Holy Spirit. Some of that teaching obviously is truthful and is, and is accurate, but a lot of it, I think, has been uh, simply manipulated for, the, for various preachers to make money, and a lot of money in some cases, right? I can say that I'm glad I'm not going to be one of those preachers come judgment day, right? When they stand before God having to give account for the way they treated the Holy Spirit. Having said all that, I think it's important for us to know at the start of this, the Holy Spirit isn't something that we need to shy away from. It's, he is someone that we need to pursue and to embrace. Uh, so at the very start, the first foundational building block I want to lay down this morning is that the Holy Spirit is good. Don't let previous experience that you've had in church or uh, teachings that you've heard or something weird in your past have a negative effect upon your understanding of the Holy Spirit. The second thing here in this passage, the second building block is there in verse 7. It says, Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, 
he will convict the world of guilt. How did Jesus refer to the Holy Spirit? He says him and he. And in verse 13 and 14, the word he is used several times referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it or a thing. This is why that's important. It's important for two reasons. First off, because the Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity, right? When I say the word Trinity, I'm talking about the three persons who make up the, the, the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit was a thing or an it, some kind of mystical force, a uh, cosmic energy, right? Some, some kind of uh, power, he would be an it. Uh, but he's not an it. He's a person. Because of that, he is part of the Trinity. The second reason that's important is because it's impossible for us to have a relationship with an it. You can't have a relationship with a thing. Take this table. There's things we know about this table, right? It stands about three or four feet tall or whatever. It's got a round top. On most Sunday mornings, you see this table up here on the stage. This table holds our Bibles and waters and notes and iPads and things on Sunday morning. It's pretty heavy. If the table was to fall down, it'd make a loud noise. There's things that we can know about the table. But you can't have a relationship with the table, right? You can only have a relationship with a living being, with another person, right? Because the Holy Spirit is a person, we can have an intimate and a growing relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, that requires for us to put in the work to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Probably all of us here, at some point, I know it's happened to me on many different occasions, uh, at some point in our past, we've had a, a, a friendship with somebody. And either you or the other member of that friendship, your friend, has decided that that friendship is no longer worth the time or the effort that it takes to maintain and to build that friendship, right? So, all right, so over, time, that, over time, that friendship begins to fade away, right? Because either you or someone else decide the friendship is just not worth the work it takes to maintain that friendship. It's happened to all of us. I've been on both ends of that. So are we willing to put in the work to develop the relationship with the Holy Spirit. We tend to think, oh, it's God, it's got to be easy. No, it takes work, right? Things like prayer, Bible study, getting involved in a church to worship, small group, accountability group, right? Things like fasting, uh, practicing some of the spiritual disciplines, simplicity and quietness, right? Scripture memory, right? Things that it takes, that's not always easy. Sometimes it comes easy, natural. Other times it takes a lot of work, right? Things we have to do to build a close, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Okay, now we know that God is in this, in this relationship. He's committed. He's not leaving. He's promised us 
I will never leave you or forsake you. All right, so, so whenever a person comes to Jesus Christ and they say, God, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Then God takes his Holy Spirit and he puts that spirit within us. You say, well, Dan, how do we know that? Well, because it's in the Bible. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. I want you to listen to these words. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So, the moment that we ask Christ into our heart, the Holy Spirit comes into our life. God's committed. He's there. He's not leaving. But are we willing to put in the work to develop a close, growing relationship with the Holy Spirit. All right, two foundational truths before I get to the roles of the Holy Spirit. First off, the Holy Spirit is good. The second thing is the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a cosmic force that comes down for a while, sits around us, and then dissipates into the universe. He's not some kind of power. He's a person. Now let's get into the roles of the Holy Spirit as we see taught here in in the words of Jesus. Verse 8, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Go back up to the top of verse 8. When he comes, he will convict the world. He will convict the world. I looked up that word convict in Webster's Dictionary last week to find out what Webster's thought about it. And this is how Webster's Dictionary defines it. To convince of error or sinfulness. To convince of error or sinfulness. I like that definition. In the past, I've always thought of conviction as something negative, something I didn't want to experience, right? Because it means to me, or it meant to me, that I had done something wrong, right? And now I was convicted that I made a bad choice. As I've studied for this passage, I've actually come to understand that conviction is not always bad, right? Instead, Conviction shows us our need. Conviction shows us the gap between our behavior and God's expectation. Conviction shows us the gap between our behavior and God's expectation. Now, who does the convicting? You don't do the convicting. I don't do the convicting. Teachers don't do the convicting. Your parents don't do the convicting. Your pastors don't do the convicting. The Holy Spirit does the convicting. Now, don't take that to mean that we should not counsel 
or train or speak the truth in love or correct. I believe that the Holy Spirit oftentimes uses those avenues through which to convict a person. But friends, you and I got to understand something. We can't convict anyone. We can talk to someone until they're blue in the face. We can pull out our hair. We can do all kinds of things. But it is only and it is always the Holy Spirit who does the convicting. That's why it's so important for us to be people of prayer. If you have family members or friends, co-workers, neighbors, whatever, who are making bad choices, who maybe have yet to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, counsel them, speak the truth in love, teach them and train them. But understand, you can't convict them. James chapter 5 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's about the only verse in the King James Version that I know. But I memorized that one for some reason. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. What's that mean? Basically, Dan's summary is prayer works. Prayer makes a difference. You and I can talk to people. Hopefully we don't yell at people. But we can never convict someone. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be praying that the Holy Spirit will work in the lives of us and our family and friends who continually need to realign our life to come into alignment with God's Word. Now, if you're sitting here this morning, and if by God's work of the Holy Spirit in your life, you are experiencing the blessings of God in your life, right? So the Holy Spirit's come to you. He's convicted you of your sin. You begin to walk with him, and you daily experience the Holy Spirit showing you the gap between your behavior and God's expectation so that, so that you can live a life that pleases God. Praise the Lord. Amen. But let us never for one second become prideful of that, to think that we have done something. It is never us. We haven't done it. It reminds me of an illustration that I heard on the radio many months ago. And if I can remember the preacher's name, I'd tell you his name. But I can't. But it's a fantastic illustration. Maybe some of you have heard it some other time, too. It's the first time I've heard it. But it's about a turtle on a fence post. Show us the picture of the turtle on a fence post. There's a picture of a turtle on a fence post. Some of us may look at that turtle and think... The poor turtle is stuck on a fence post. I don't look at the turtle that way. I look at the turtle and go, wow, look at that turtle. He's getting to experience something that none of the other turtles around him get to experience. <laughs> He's on a fence post, and he gets a much better view of his surroundings and of God's creation than all the other turtles who are stuck on the ground. He can see things much better up there on that fence post than he could down with his head buried in the grass and the weeds. He gets a great view of that beautiful lake and all the trees. He gets to see God's work. It would be silly for that turtle 
to be up there on that fence post and say, wow, look what I have achieved. I am on this fence post above everybody else getting to enjoy what no one else gets to enjoy. Look what I've done. That would be ridiculous, right? Because how did that turtle get on top of that fence post? He didn't climb that fence post. Turtles can't climb fence posts. He didn't fly up on top of that fence post. Turtles don't have wings. He didn't take a rope and lasso the top of the fence post and pull himself up the rope. Turtles can't do that. Someone put that turtle on top of that fence post. Friends, if you're sitting here today and God has blessed you by sending the Holy Spirit into your life and convicting you of sin and continually showing you the gap between your behavior and God's expectation so that through the work of the Spirit in your life, you can correct those things. May we never become prideful thinking that it's something we have done because it is never what we have done. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. May we never look at someone else who is making bad choices and gain any kind of sense of superiority or arrogance. May we fall on our knees and pray, God, send your spirit into their lives to convict them and love them, certainly counsel them, train them, teach them, but always love. The first role of the Holy Spirit we see is that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. In that following verse, in verse 9, it says, In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Friends, for the longest time, I would read those verses, and I just couldn't wrap my mind around them. Say, what is Jesus saying? What? I don't get it. That's too long of a sentence for me, I guess. I just don't get it. I'll tell you what, though. As I was studying for this passage, God made something clear to me. It's the, it's the natural progression in these verses. What's he saying? The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. All right? Secondly, the Holy Spirit convinces us of Jesus' righteousness, right? The gift of God through Jesus Christ so that our sins can be forgiven. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit convinces us of the coming judgment that we will wait and that everyone is waiting for if they do not repent and turn to Christ. Sin, righteousness, judgment. Let's keep going. On to the second role of the Holy Spirit. Verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he... The Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The second role of the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. How? How does the Spirit guide us into all truth, friends? Right here. Right here. Let me explain. Back when God 
would speak to the men through his Holy Spirit. And they would write down the thoughts of God onto their paper or whatever it is they were writing on back then. God put his thoughts into their hearts and their minds. It was called inspiration. It was the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Because otherwise, the men who wrote the Bible, or as we now call the Bible, they could have never understood the thoughts of God. Impossible for a finite man to understand God's thoughts. But through the Holy Spirit, he inspired them and told them what to write. Now today, many years later, as you and I sit here this morning and we live our lives all week long, the Holy Spirit is again at work. As we read God's Word, He helps us understand the thoughts of God. He helps us understand what He has written to us. It is called illumination. Without the illumination of the Holy Spirit in our lives, working in our minds and our hearts as we read the Bible, we can never understand God's thoughts. They are beyond us. But the Spirit comes and illuminates us and teaches us what He is saying and how to apply it to our lives. John chapter 17, verse 17, just, just a few verses later, uh, says, and this is Jesus praying to the Father. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now go back and read this verse again. Verse 13, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. How does the spirit guide us into all truth? By illuminating our hearts and minds so that we can understand what is written in the Bible and apply it to our life. Many years ago, I was, a student at the, I was a student at the Moody Bible Institute up in Chicago, but it was summer break, so I went home uh, to be with my family and to stay while school was out. There was one of my good friends that was in the dorm with me who was going through Texas that summer, so I asked him to come to Houston to spend some time with me so we can hang out and I can show him some of the exciting things in Houston, Texas. All right, so he came down there for a few days, was staying with me, and I thought, you know what would be cool? because I was talking to my friend, and I knew that he had never seen, seen like wild alligators out in the wild. I thought, well, that would be cool. And there's alligators in various spots around Houston, Texas, down there in Texas. So I thought, let's go look at some alligators, all right? So I drove to a lake that wasn't too far from Houston, Texas, and we got a, kind of a late start that day, unfortunately, but we took flashlights with us, and we went out there to this lake. And there at this lake, there's this path around the lake that that kind of meanders off into the woods. It goes by a lake. There's marsh on one side, the lake on the other, and woods and all this stuff. All right, so we're walking. All right, so we get out of our car, we, and we grab our flashlights because it's going to be getting dark soon. And we start walking down this path looking for alligators. And sure enough, we find alligators. We find lots of them. Small alligators, big alligators. There's alligators. And they're like 10 feet away as you're walking down the path. You see these alligators. It's very cool. For a couple of college kids, I mean, this is cool stuff. All right, so we're walking around, we're seeing all these alligators. And, uh, and we're, we're sitting there walking through this path, and we see alligators, and we keep thinking, it'd be, it'd be so cool to find bigger alligators. Let's go find a bigger alligator. Let's go find a bigger alligator. All right, so we're walking down this path, and we start seeing more alligators, more alligators around, you know, bigger ones. I don't remember exact size, but they're good-sized alligators. And we're walking around seeing those alligators. That's fun. That's a good time. How can that not be fun? All right, so we got our flashlights, 
And it's getting dark, but we're like, oh, this is fun. Let's go find the biggest alligator we get, the biggest alligator we can find. So we're walking through the path. It's starting to get dark, you know, and, and we're like, ah, oh, we should head back. We don't want to be out here in the dark. You know, we, but, all right, so we get to the end of our path. Now it's dark, all right. We got our flashlights. So we take our flashlights, and we start shining it on the path to get back to our car. And we're, and we're walking along. And for some reason, my friend picks up some stones and some pebbles. I don't know why I did this. I have no idea. But he picked up some stones and pebbles, and he kind of, tosses it out about six or seven feet into the water. And when those stones hit the water, we hear the splash, splash, splash. At that point, it begins to dawn. This is not the smartest thing I've ever done in my <laughs> lifetime. And we look at each other and go, oh, man, what are we doing here? All right, so I take my flashlight and I shine it out there in the water, and I see these two greenish-yellowish beady eyes sticking up out of the water looking at me. And I shine it around, I see more eyes and more eyes. You see these glowing eyes in the water looking at us as we're walking down this path in the dark. These are alligator eyes. And I'm like, what in the world are we doing out here? This is ridiculous. All right, so at that point, the, the two of us start to understand. We need to get back to our car soon. No more meandering around. Let's get serious. Let's get, let's get serious. Let's get back to the car. We take our flashlights and we shine it on the path. And we're walking back to our car as fast as we can. I'm not shining it in the water anymore. I'm keeping my flashlight on the path to make sure there's no alligators in my path getting back to my car. We're, so we're walking along. We finally get back to our car, all right, in, in safety, without any incidences to, this, to these different alligators. I tell you that story because of this. You know what Psalm 119 Verse 105 says, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Friends, it is impossible for you and I to live a successful, victorious Christian life in this world without the Holy Spirit illuminating God's word as we study the scriptures, showing us how to live our lives. Because there is evil on every side. There are spiritual alligators just waiting to have us for lunch. Sin, corruption, perversion, immorality, wickedness, hate, hatred, violence, it's all around. It is impossible impossible for you and I to live a victorious Christian life without the Holy Spirit guiding us into all truth. We can't do it. There are too many alligators. There's too many landmines. Friends, the good news is God would never ask us to do it, to not even try it. Don't bother He's given us the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. Friends, are you willing to put in the work? There's evil on every side. Look around. Are you willing to put in the work to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth as you study God's Word? 
The first role of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. The second role of the Holy Spirit, to guide us into all truth. And I know I'm running out of time. I'm going to make the last one short. Let's keep reading. Verse 4, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. What's the third role of the Holy Spirit? To bring glory to Jesus Christ. It's very interesting because in John chapter 14, Jesus says that his role on earth, while he was on earth, his role, the role of Jesus, was to bring glory to God the Father. Now Jesus tells us that when the Holy Spirit comes, during his ministry on earth, during the church age, while we are here, as he indwells the lives of the followers of Christ, the role of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. All right. Friends, all the time, you and I will come across people, hear people, read books from people, all kinds of communication from people who either claim to be a preacher, a teacher, a, maybe a prophet, right? Who have a message, something they want to teach us. We need to carefully examine what they are saying. Does it glorify Jesus Christ? If not, you can be sure it is not the Holy Spirit speaking. Only three or four weeks ago, I got a knock on my door. A couple people from a church that preaches a false doctrine. And they came to me and they were wanting to tell me all about their church. And there's a wonderful new prophet that God has sent into the world and about all his great teaching. Eh, wrong answer. <laughs> Why? How did I know? Because it was obvious they weren't glorifying Jesus Christ. It was obvious to me the Spirit speaking through those people was not the Holy Spirit. It was a Spirit of which I wanted nothing to do with. I talked to these girls and I said, Girls, you are being deceived. You're being deceived. That is not God's word that you're following. They didn't like my answer. They thanked me for my time and quickly left, which is fine. But my heart broke, deceived. Friends, you and I need to put in the work to read God's word, to know what it says so that the Spirit of God can guide us into all truth because we will find out. There are spirits that, glor that glorify someone else, something else, ourselves even, right? Not from God, not the Holy Spirit. We can always know when it's the Holy Spirit speaking, because Jesus Christ will be glorified. No one else. That's the role of the Holy Spirit on earth. Friends, the Holy Spirit is good. Not someone to be afraid of, run from, get defensive about.
but to pursue and to embrace if we correctly understand who he is. The Bible's got a lot to teach us about the Holy Spirit. This is one passage. It's a key passage, but it's one passage. Friends, my prayer for us today is that we will begin to know and fall in love with and examine the scriptures and how they pertain to the Holy Spirit so we can experience God's filling of his presence in our life. Three roles of the Holy Spirit. One, convict the world of sin. Two, guide us into all truth. Three, bring glory to Jesus Christ. Friends, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. God, may we never, ever, ever try to live life in this world without your word guiding us and your spirit directing us and illuminating us, teaching us what you have for us to learn. God, we love you so much. We thank you for not leaving us alone here in this world as orphans but sending your spirit into the world to guide us, to comfort us, to teach us. God, my prayer for Great Oaks this morning is that we will embrace you, that we will pursue you, that we will study the word of God, to know your word and how it wants to guide us and teach us. And may your spirit direct us and guide us into all truth. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for the hope and the purpose and the love and the joy that you give us. May we be your messengers and your servants and your people this week who bring you great pleasure and joy. In the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.